Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast is the football podcast. We're reviewing the many games from last week and previewing the many games for this week. There's also some transfer news and uh, everything you'd want from a football podcast. Before we get started, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. Leave a review where you can leave a review, and the big one there is share the podcast around. Right, let's get into the football. Here we go, this is Cookie Cast, the football podcast. Recording in progress. Uh, yes, indeed. Welcome on in, one and all, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, even aliens, if you are listening out there. Welcome on in. Here's, of course, your weekly dose of footballing, uh, well, hell, as it turns out to be this week. Um, just, just truly, truly awful uh, football. It's the hope. Invariably kills you off in the end. Um, I'm not alone, as those of you who are joining us on YouTube can already see. I have these three wonderful men joining me to take you through the ups and downs of their respective club. Uh, Cook, Moore, and Woodmansey, respectively. How are we doing this week, fellas? Ah, oh, middling. You? Oh, just peachy. Yeah. I I love football. Me. It's a great sport. You always I mean, get what you want from it. Wait, wait to sell the podcast, Paul, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, you know, I, I feel like we've been, we've been doing this for long enough now where people know that, you know, you either, you either get positivity or nothing but malaise and, and, and downright just well, for one of the better phrase, it's shit. <laughs> Sometimes both within the same week as well. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's a phenomenon that's uh, that's lesser seen, but we, we we digress. So last week, uh, I believe we opened with the transfer window slamming shut on all of our teams respectively. So there'd be definitely no more ins and outs to happen unless some of the sort of business went ahead. And of course, Middlesbrough took that to be uh, a challenge. As uh, even though they're struggling for attacking options at the moment, they uh, received notification that a team in America wanted to sign one of their players. So I know what you're thinking. It must be an astronomical sum of money, an offer the club couldn't possibly turn down. Something the, uh, the player possibly couldn't turn down. Well, I'll give you the details and we'll see if this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, shall we? So the player in question is uh, attacking midfield option Matt Crooks, who, um, of course, has, has finished a season as top goal scorer for Middlesbrough, no less. Um, the league in question was the MLS, the American top division. The club in question was... Real Salt Lake City, 
and the groundbreaking or life-changing fee that was discussed was undisclosed but reported by some sites to be £830,000. Is he out of contract or...? Nope, don't think so. Not at the end, not at the end of the season? <laughs> not now. <laughs> Pretty sure he had at least another year to go on his contract up until next season, so they were in absolutely no position where they had to sell him or lose him to free. Just seems like an incredibly short-sighted one to me. Yeah, I, I, that's <coughs> stupid. I, I, I don't want to be that guy, and obviously nobody's paying over £800,000 for me, but that's... In, in football terms, that doesn't even register, surely. Um, well, I'm pretty sure we paid more for him when we signed him from Rotherham. Oh, definitely, you definitely paid millions. There was definitely a month yeah. after the amount that you paid. But I seem to remember it being in the one to two range. So you could argue that they've lost money. Obviously, yeah, fair enough. He's, he's, he's older than he was when we signed him, but he's, he's not like in his late thirties. He's clearly he's clearly a player that's in demand. And unless they just were in a position where they felt they weren't gonna offer him a new contract and just let his contract run out at the end of next season then maybe you could argue that he's it is good business. But for a team like I said that is struggling with two that's right, two recognised actual strikers in the club to sell a guy who is arguably your tallest forward player and could definitely do a job in that central striking role, which he has played numerous times before, in a, in a, in a season where the playoff race is probably the tightest it's ever going to be, where you could argue that up to about 12 teams in the Championship could arguably get into those playoff spots. It just, it just stinks of poor... Poor like first team management to me. Uh, I know he's I know he's not the best player in the squad, but you don't you don't sell a player who knows a division and knows how to play a role when you're severely lacking in that area of the pitch. That is just. Pretty. I get that, but if if the offer comes to him as well, what if he has his head turned by it? Well, apparently like that. This a part of a part of his. It didn't pen a, 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 a goodbye letter to the uh, to the fans and to the club, as seems to be the case these days for anyone who spends more than about 80 seconds at a club. Was he, was um, he sat on a posh chair when he read it? Is, is oh, that no, the it was just, I don't, it, wasn't, it was just a letter. It was just like posted as, as the letter. No no video recorded, as far as I'm aware. Uh, but uh, it, it, it did, he did say in there that he felt it was uh, an option that he couldn't, he could, an opportunity that he couldn't pass over. So I, I assume he's maybe heard of the bid being the bid being made and he said to the club that he wants to go. So fair enough, you don't want to keep players who who doesn't want to, who actually wants to go, I suppose that's the other side of the coin. But to let him go after the transfer window's closed when the only option you've got is to bring in uh, free transfers or unattached players who clearly aren't wanted by clubs. Just seems a bit backwards to me. But that's that's just me. Um has there, been any, has there been any business outside of the transport window for your boys? Um, 
Uh, Oscar Estepinian, if you remember, got loaned uh, loaned out to Mets and then recalled from his loan at the end of the transfer window with a view to being loaned out somewhere else. Then the transfer window closed. Now he's gone to a team in Brazil. So I'm I'm not quite sure what the the transfer window is there, but but still he's yeah he's he's never coming back. <laughs> he's just just bouncing him around like the big bald-headed buffoon that they think he is, except for... I, I would quite happily have him backed uh, Def- as a definitely, uh, I, I definitely had a different B word on my big look card there, so after he's a big, big-headed... Yeah. Oh, tr- um, trying to keep it, cl- keep it clean for the bloody kids, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely he is. Uh, Matt? We've just had the one... Um, George Shelby. So remember, like I think either last week or the week before, I joked about us having like five or six keepers that therefore put together to make a Power Ranger keeper. Um, we've now <laughs> lost two of the keepers now. So obviously Horfat Horfat left for um, Cardiff on deadline day. George Shelby has joined Don Dalk United in the Irish League. Um, and it's a permanent transfer. I presume they don't, don't have a transfer window as such because he kind of heard about it during the transfer window and then carried on training. And then next thing you know, he was like, he was asked if he wanted to go and he said, yeah. So he's kind of, I think it's one of them ones where it's kind of like, as you slowly see, more and more keepers walk through the door and you realise your opportunities are not going to be coming kind of quick. At twenty, I mean, at twenty-two years old as well. Go and get some game time somewhere, and see where it takes you. It might just be like a build back up again. Get go, go and get some kind of performances on tape, as it were, and then uh, come back in the future. So yeah, kind of another another academy player gone. So all that that PSR financial fair play, it's pure profit. I mean, I would suspect we probably didn't get much more, or even vaguely close to what you got for him. Closed fee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, is it undisclosed fee? Because you're going to fiddle it somehow in the books. You kind of go, all oh, right, yeah, yeah, we sold it for 10 million. And like, what, to Dundalk United? Where did they get 10 million from? And we're like, well, oh, you know. And then in really small letters next to it, it says Freddo's. Is the, yeah. <laughs> Evangelos Maradakas gifted us 10 million to buy our goalkeeper. I'm <laughs> I don't know if this is—I don't know if this was this season or if this or if this was like another season. I've just seen this, but I could have sworn that I'd seen them on Twitter where apparently he wanted to sign a player from Olympiacos for the Forest first team, but the transfer yeah. window closed. So all he did was he basically terminated the contract to Olympiacos to make him a free agent and then signed him as a free agent for Forest. Yeah. I wonder if they've managed to shut that loophole now or whether they've just kind of gone, ah, yeah, it didn't work out for him because I do not remember that player playing for Boris. Would be the... Uh... <laughs> exactly. So, transfer business done and dusted. Hopefully that will be the last... 
for the last time we have to say that for the course of the rest of this month and indeed the rest of this season. But as we said, certain transfer windows remain open and obviously free agents can be signed between now and the end of the season. So, <coughs> don't understand with transfer talk. We'll dive into football game talk. And we started last week, this week, as it were, with Andrew's latest team, Wolverhampton Wanderers. And they welcomed Brentford to town. Um, obviously, we, we, we've, made, we've made jokes over the last couple of weeks that obviously the ink on Andy's latest team tattoo isn't even dry before he's having to move and, and get a new tattoo booked in. Yeah, those jokes aren't going anywhere fast as uh, Wolves lost 2-0 against Brentford. Goals from Norgard and Tony putting the old goal to the sword and ensuring that Mr Cook's list grows by another team for the season. Um, Predictions-wise, myself, Stu and Matt had all predicted draws. I had gone 2-2, Stu had gone 2-2, Matt had gone 1-1. I had Cunha and Juan to score for Wolves. Stu had Neto and Cunha to score for Wolves. Matt had Cunha to score for Wolves. Um, Cunha got taken off after 20 minutes. Wang wasn't even in the squad. Uh, I think Neto played the full game, but obviously Wolves didn't score, so we all picked really well there. Um... However, on the on the Brentford side of things, um, I had Sarabia own goal and Tony to score. Um, uh, Stu had Tony and Malpe to score. Matt had Tony to score. So we each get a point for the Tony goal scorer there. Um, Andy, however, had absolutely no faith in his new boys whatsoever and had gone for a keen Lewis Potter 1-0 win for Brentford. So I guess us have a point for the result but sadly no goal score points. So one point apiece through the first game. Our second game saw Hull City take on Swansea City um, and you could probably tell from the tone that I gave at the start of the, season, at the, start of the podcast this one didn't really go to plan either did it? No, no, no. So, um, the game kicked off. Paul didn't touch the ball for about ten minutes. It was the first time that I feel that they've turned up to a game and just expected to roll the team over. Um, And it didn't happen. Swansea put a shift in, first ten minutes. And took a deserved lead on 11 minutes um, they got a corner uh, played it in sort of a ground pass to the near post edge of the box and just slapped it in but they'd done they'd obviously worked on it because they'd packed the six yard box with pretty much every player so drawn all the defenders with them and then just let one guy peel out and that was that was it um, it was Cullen that scored for Swansea and the ball was put in from the corner by Josh Tymon who used to play for us who had a really good game um, but yeah didn't really go very well 
it was it was drab. Half time sort of came around and we're thinking, oh, you know, something's got to change. Um, they'd clearly had the you get in ten minutes, and if nothing changes, I'm starting to make changes or talk. Well, guess what? Nothing did change. So, Rosinia decided that he was going to take off Louis Coyle at right back, put on Billy Sharp. Obviously not at right back. Um, there's there's a certain sections of the crowd that may sit very closely behind me that have been complaining about Louis Coyle for quite some time now and that he sticks out like a sore thumb and that maybe they should put Regan Slater at right back because he can play anywhere and he would definitely be better than Louis Coyle. So Billy Sharp comes on for Louis Coyle, Regan Slater goes to right back. It's like the next England manager, Red Everybody, you know, the, the, the you know the the reading her mind. Um, however, I'm pleased to report that Slater was just as terrible at right back as Louis Coyle had been for the game. So you know, try again next week. Um, Hull didn't get any better at all. Um, the nearest they came was a through ball from the keeper directly through to Billy Sharp. Um, it was a bit of a coming together with him and the defender. And the Swansea goalkeeper had come out for it as well. And it bounced up off his knee. And it was headed for goal, but it didn't have enough pace on it to the point where one of the other defenders could catch up with it and scoop it. Um, and, that, and that was it. Like, just rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Um, the interview after the game with Rossinia, um he's always very calm. But you know when sometimes you can tell that someone's calm but absolutely fucking seething? Um, like, it, it was very much that. And it was... It, it dropped us out of the top six. A little bit of a bash to the momentum um, as things have been over the last you know, few games as well. So, yeah, not, not a good day at the office. Particularly in front of your home fans as well. Yeah, not good. Um, also not good from a podcast predictions perspective, as we all had varying degrees of whole home win. Andy had gone one up with Sharp to score, and then we'd all gone two one. Um, obviously, no whole goal scorers, and uh, sadly neither of us had a goal scorer named Cullen for Swansea. We had Wood, Ronald, and Yates respectively, so no points for anyone in that game. And the hilarity for our teams continued as Middlesbrough played Bristol City at the Riverside. Um, from the highlights that I have seen, uh, the first 15 minutes seemed, seemed to go quite well. Cora seemed to be on the front foot, possibly for taking the lead when the ball brought to him, happening in the box. But he managed to uh, find his shot wide of the, uh, of the Bristol City goal. Um, and then in the space of two minutes... Or have found themselves 2-0 down. Really good going. Well done, lads. Uh, the first goal was scored by Jason Knight on 16 minutes. Um, Borough just allowed what appeared to be their centre-half just to carry the ball through the middle of the field completely untouched. Um, he played the ball into Knight on the edge of the box who um, made his way into the box. Nice to turn both the keeper and the defender in one move um, and then just slot into an empty net. Pretty, pretty horrendous defending. Um, and then the second was scored a minute later when uh, the ball was given away really cheaply by Hayden Hackney in his own half. Just 
pass the ball straight into the path of um, Matty James, who was playing in the midfield for Bristol City. He pounced on the uh, on the on the on the loose ball, uh, just advanced to the edge of the box and slotted it past the keeper to make it two 0 And when you're two 0 down after 17 minutes, you're always going to be up against it to get back in the game. Or a huff and puff for the rest of the time. Did manage to eventually get an equal. Uh, I wish an equal. Did manage to get a goal back in the 91st minute. Um, it was a ball down the right hand side for Luke Aaron to get onto where he crossed it. Uh, to the edge, the left hand edge of the box where Finazaz uh, had a shot on target uh, which clipped the back of Sammy Stolvera and just completely wrong footed the goalkeeper to go in. Um, I think there was about three or four minutes left on the clock at that point, but just weren't able to chase an equaliser. So it succumbed to a 2 1 defeat for a winless in three games at this particular point. Predictions-wise, Stu had gone for a 1-1 draw with Azaz and Pring to score, so no points there for him. Everyone else had gone for a Borough win. I went 1-0 fours. Matt had gone 2-1. Greenwood and fours. Conway to score for Bristol City, so I've got the right score, just the wrong way around. Andy had gone 2-0 with fours and Silvera. So just managed to bag himself a bonus point for the goal scorer there. So, three games down, three defeats. Can Forrest stop the rot at home to Newcastle United, Matthew? No. no, of course they bloody can. Because it's a team that one of us supports. So of course they're going to lose. Get in the fucking bit. Okay, a team, <coughs> a team that we one of us support and that we all hate. So... Of course, it was going to be that that kind of day. Yeah, I think in a, in a in a in a world of, I mean, I hate stats. I, it it really kind of gripes on me when they fetch the. I don't want to be the nerd. Here comes the nerd football nerds out. But like, oh, expected goals. All right, okay then. We all expect a lot of things to happen due to decisions we make in life, but they don't, do they? Um, I, I just—it's one of those stats where it's like, oh, expected goals, but because the ball went into the box. But a glaring kind of stat is the fact that Forest concede the most goals from set plays in the league. We are twentieth out of uh, twenty teams. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, Forest apparently started the game quite bright, had their fair, fair share of the game, um, and kind of still. Apparently, I mean, I, I, I complain about Forest not learning lessons, but also Newcastle don't seem to learn lessons either, because cast your mind back to about six weeks ago, and I seem to remember Anthony Alanga just running amok on St. James's Park for 90 minutes, and Newcastle didn't seem to do anything about him doing that, more of which will come in a minute. But, obviously, Forrester in the game, uh, apparently Yolanda was terrorising Dan Bernicke, which is hilarious. Uh, but Forrest conceded a corner. And I'm going to get very grouchy here. Um, I've defended more grouchy than normal. Um, uh, 
and uh, I, I, I think I've been one of the people that's defended VAR. I kind of understood why it was introduced. You know, it was kind of like the referees were getting kind of what judged and sentenced by by technology they weren't allowed to use. So fair enough, introduced VAR. And last season it was too strict. Uh, this season it is not strict enough because. I've watched the goals back. I've watched the goals back several times. First, and I'm going to kind of think, the first goal, Newcastle take the corner short out to Kieran Trippier. Anthony Alanga, who is the quickest person on the field, is shoved by Anthony Gordon to stop him from getting to Kieran Trippier. He, so then everyone goes, oh, well, he didn't close him out quick enough. I'm like, yeah, it's a bit difficult when someone decided to take tips from, you know, the NFL and like, a, you know, you Anthony Gordon, apart from the fact he's not a weedy little bastard, would make a really good offensive lineman with the hands that he used to kind of slow uh, Elanga's run. Of course, Trippier has enough space to deliver the ball into the box, and uh, Bruno Gamares, a cracking finish. You can't complain about the finish, there's nothing you could do about that. But, you know, yeah, the defending was poor. I would say there's some level of gripe about Gordon's involvement in kind of blocking along Elanga's run to try and close down Trippier. Um, all is going quite well. Um, but Forrest get themselves back into the game. Elanga um, has a couple of chances. Well, has one chance. Nick Smartly saved by the keeper. But then, similar deal again. Gives White, picks the ball up in the midfield. Plays it neatly between Dan Byrne and... Um, Castle centre half X um, to which Alanga burns through. Um, Newcastle keeper comes flying out and Alanga just tucks it underneath him. One all, really good finish. But again, Forest Vantage managed to shoot themselves in the foot, and this one's the most egregious one. Um, it's a free kick from the halfway line, and the ball just dinked into the box. Somehow, somebody, somehow, New, um, the Newcastle. Defender wins the ball. No Forest players around. And Shaw tucks it in the back of the net. Like, absolutely no problem with that one. Um, but Forest keep on plugging away. And Hudson Adoy just before half time in added time. I think it's kind of like his signature goal. He gets it on the left. He either plays a ball in, gets the ball back, and then has a crack. Uh, this one got a deflection in the, in the back of the net. So Forest go in 2 all. You know, decent, decent kind of thing. Um, second half starts. It's a bit more cagey in the second half, I think. But, midway through, um, a one year gets played through on goal. Kind of, not clean through, but is kind of heading towards the goal. Um, I think some people said, oh, maybe you could have taken it earlier. Possibly could have done. Gets a little shove in the back from Shah. Uh, and then take, got to take it around the goalkeeper, and the goalkeeper takes him down. And I think the more times you look at it, the more egregious it gets. The one thing I hadn't noticed when I was ranting and raving to you guys on Saturday was the fact that his all of a sudden his arm goes up in the air as if he's, I don't know what ball he was saving because the ball was past him by then. And, uh, you know, I like, I've heard, I mean, Andy Hinchcliffe, Kind of hinted the fact that a one you went looking for the for the penalty. I don't agree with that for one minute. That was his natural. He had to put he had to put his foot somewhere, 
and that was the natural place for his foot to go. It didn't make an outward movement or anything. Then it's, oh, well, it would have run out of play anyway. Who gives a shit? It was a foul in the box. It's a penalty. Like, I, I think it's this kind of, we've lost. I think the problem is, in all of this, with all the rule changes, I don't think anybody actually knows what the bloody rules are now. You know, I always thought you got a penalty because it was a foul in the box. Whether the ball was not near the player or not, it was near the player or not, it was still, you know, it's still a foul in the box, therefore, is a penalty. Um, didn't get that one. Uh, however, Forrest, later on in the match, um, Forrest, did, Forrest break up a Newcastle attack. Good tackle from Nico Williams. Plays the ball to Anthony Alanga who decides to play a ball across his 18-yard box, or on the diagonal across his 18-yard box, uh, to which Gamaresh swoops in to pick it up. Dan Byrne sets a basketball screen, so we switched sports, now we're playing basketball now, and he sets a screen to stop Nico Dominguez getting across to possibly put a little bit of pressure on Gamaresh, who tucks it in the back of the net. Um, some people said the Forest keeper might have been at fault on that one, I think it was just a really good finish in a kind of tight spot through a lot of people. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, Newcastle run out 3 2 winners. Yeah, um, I think the, the most the most egregious one was, was that there was definitely a penalty decision for me. Um, said to you boys in our, in our group, I just, watching it back, I just cannot see in what, in what scenario that, that's not even suggested that the ref goes and takes a second look at it because it's the, the, the keeper's making absolutely no attempt to get to the ball like Matt said the ball the ball was already passed him at this point so his only his only aim at that point is to stop the stop the striker from getting to the ball and he's successfully doing it so how is that not the denial of a goal scoring opportunity I, I, I do not understand the whole point with the VAR thing as well is is it's put it's how many times we, we get told a week it's there to help the referees like give him the help it's like who who is it to then say no don't even look at it because it's not worth a look at it it absolutely was like the, the problem is they've got into this routine now of if the referee goes for a look it's given regardless of if it's right or wrong that was never the point of it in the first place the point of it was to give the referee a better look at it surely yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> to do the match of the day thing where they slow it down, they show it from different angles and go, I don't know how the referees fucked that up. Whereas now it's we won't even give him the chance to look at those different angles to then fuck it up, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, it's it's yeah. It's very quickly rendering itself absolutely pointless. Yeah, we'll we'll move we'll move on because if we get into VAR chat, I think we'll uh, we'll possibly be here until the next game. Um, so predictions wise, again, no one had a Newcastle win because in what universe would they? Um, Andy had gone for a one nil Forest win with a one year to score, so Sandy gets no points there. Um, Matt had a two two draw, so it was almost close. That uh, dubious. Second, uh, third, where they go for Newcastle. His goal scores are a one year Gibbs, White, Wilson, and Barnes, rendering pointless, sadly. Uh, 
Myself and Stuart both taken 1-1 draws. Uh, Stuart Awoni and Gimares. Um, I believe after I talked him out of Anthony Gordon. So uh, you're welcome to the Gimares goal point there, Stu. Yeah, uh, thanks very much. I mean, if, if you're feeling generous, you could give me the extra ones in as he scored twice, but you know. No, no. No, no, there'll be no need for that. Um, whereas <laughs> I had Ilanga and Wilson to score in my 1-1 draw. So just the one point each for myself and Stu there. So just a re- recap after four games. Um, Matt on just the one point. Andy, myself and Stu, two points each in four games. Just two games left in this raft of weekly... Uh, of week 28, I believe. 28, I Um... But before we get into Rotherham versus Hull City, we're actually going to take a small break just to reset our batteries so we're ready to come at you with more football-based nonsense. Don't you go anywhere there. We'll be right back. Recording in progress. Damn straight. So, we pick right back up where we left off with... Rotherham United versus Hull City. And, as we discovered last week, this would be a momentous game as it was the first live, in-person attendance of a away fixture for uh, two uh, two other important people, I believe. It was. Um, it was it, it was the, the a trip out for me and my boys and my wife and we've we've met some friends there as well so it was it was a full-on family occasion as it were um had a little uh, cheeky trip over to Rotherham a little bit earlier in the day thinking we'd have loads of time when we got there and then uh, really glad we did set off early because the traffic was horrendous to the point where we literally went for some tea went to the stadium and the stadium wasn't bad to get to um, parking wasn't like expensive. Um, it was a, a nice. I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but it was a nice little ground. Um, I'm sure League One will really enjoy it next season. Um, and maybe who knows they can take their Sheffield friends with them. Um, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't look good, does it, for Rotherham? Um, although. After four minutes of the game against Hull, it did for a short period, well, for a period of time, look better as uh, Hull, looking for a response from the absolute shower that was the uh, Swansea game, didn't really do it at all, at all, um, and were 1-0 down after four minutes uh, to a, a half volley from Tihi, definitely wasn't funny. Um, the keeper looked like he could have done better um, from our angle. However, having seen it back, there was a slight deflection as well, which took it sort of underneath him. Um, yeah. Again, thinking, right, this might be the thing that sparks him into life now. Nope. And the familiar feeling from the, the weekend's game started to sink in. Um, wasn't exactly the happy trip and definitely not too sweary away end that I'd envisaged when we were taking the boys um, because frustrations were growing towards half-time. Um, but half-time came. They must have had an absolute rocket 
at half time because they came out looking like a different side. Um, it tells you something when the home fans that voted for the player of the match voted their own goalkeeper as the player of the match as well, which was. Uh, although Hull had 21 shots, but only nine of them were on target, so it probably looked a little bit. Um, looked a bit better than maybe it actually was. But uh, yeah, like first half, Hull literally had one chance, that was it. Uh, it was a Billy Sharp header that went straight to um, the keeper, right down his throat. But half time came. And lots more chances followed. Um, ball was played a lot down the left. They, they decided that they were going to move Ryan Giles up the field, which seemingly, as Paul will well know, is his preferred position. Um, bomb down the left, took the uh, well, a bit of a one-two, took the ball on the edge of the left-hand side of the penalty area, and absolutely rattled it against the sort of the peak of the uh, crossbar and left-hand post. Bounced back into play. And um, a newly reformed Ozan Tufan, who'd been subbed on at this point, seemingly looks like a different player. He's, he's borrowed Sonic's red boots because he's just he's found another gear. Um, pressing Rotherham in their own 18-yard box, forced a loose pass from their defender straight into the path of Jaden Philogene, who was then forced out to the right-hand side of the goal looked like it was going nowhere, probably should, should have put a cross in and been the absolute cheeky, filthy bastard that he is. Um, tried a Rabona from the right-hand side and, well, it went in. Um, if you haven't seen it, try and find it. It's a lot of fun. It's even more fun when you sat right behind where he took the kick from. So that was... Uh, cue the scenes in the away end as all of us went mental and... Um, yeah, the, the, the guys in front of us that definitely weren't sneaking their beer into the stand definitely didn't have any drinks left after that goal went in. Um, so, yeah, one all, thinking, right, what's going to happen now? Are they going to sit back? We've got a goal. Are they going to go back to what they want? Nope. Kept pushing, and four minutes later, Hull took the lead with, um, uh, wait for it, gents, the debut Hull goal for... Uh, no, no, uh, uh, hi, uh, in the uh, in the Hull accent. Um, again, ball played down the left, and it was a pinpoint cross across the ground actually from uh, Giles. Again, pretty much put the ball on the penalty spot. A nice little finish from Ohio into the bottom right hand corner. Keeper couldn't really do anything about it. Um, it was, yeah, talk about a game of two halves and all that cliche, but yeah, absolutely was. Um, and in the end, got to come home happy with three points on the board. Boys' first away game, which, as, as I pointed out last week, means that they, they now have the distinction of their first ever home game being a victory and their first ever away game being a victory, which is not something I can claim either, so um, I'm, I was pretty chuffed for them. Um, the only disappointing thing was we couldn't pick up a programme on the evening because, for some reason, they decided not to sell them in the stadium. A little bit of a strange choice, um, but I have I have managed to uh, to track one down for them, so that'll be getting de- delivered. So they've got the little uh, the little memento of the evening. Very good. I was going to say if you if you if you, if you have it already, you should be able to reach out to the club and just say, uh, have you got any leftovers, or just a, or the next time you're in, like, 
well, the next time in Rotherham. Because <laughs> I imagine you go there all the time. I mean, yeah. it, like in theory, it's not going to be for a f- few seasons, is it? So, well, not next season, the season after, you know, yo yo. Uh, so not next season, season after, but you'll be able to go again. Yeah, we but- were trying to. We we genuinely had the conversation last night of I wonder how many Lego pieces it would take to build this stadium because it was very, it. There was a lot of empty seats. In the home end, the the. The attendance was just a shade over ten thousand, and Hull took nearly three. Way to show the home support. Jeez. There was it was it was sparse. When we looked it up, I think there, the capacity is something like about twelve thousand, but it looked like there was a lot more than two thousand empty seats. Well, they count they count um, seat ticket holders regardless of if they're in the seats or not, don't they? I suppose, and I, and I, I could only assume anybody who works in the kitchens, the cleaners, the stewards, and everybody else that might have been. Rats. <laughs> oh, they've taken the WWE approach to giving the attendance. Ah. Yeah. No, not quite, because they didn't they didn't announce it as a new attendance record at every year given opportunity. <laughs> so, predictions wise. Only Mr. Cook was the person to not go for a Hull City win. He went for a 1-1 draw with Eze and Zaruri to score. Sadly, no points there for Mr. Cook. Myself, Stu and Matt had all got very new ease of Hull City win, so we get a point at least for the result. I had 2-0 with Tufan and Carvalho to score, so... Just the uh, just a t- just a point for the result there for me. Stu had three one with Klukas to score for Rotherham, two fan Philogene and Zaruri to score for Hull. Again, just the result point for him there. Bit good that he doesn't get the Philogene goal because obviously he did uh, take reflection. Well, Mr. Williams, put that point back on the board because uh, if you check the updated Sky Sports report. It's been to the dubious goals committee and it's been credited to Jaden Philogy. Bloody hell. Right, I'll have to redo the book. Bear yeah. Points, points, points. It was going in, regardless. Definitely was going in. Should he have attempted it in the first place? Absolutely fucking not, but, you know. The cheek of it. He's, I mean, that's twice, though, this season now. There was that game earlier in the season at home where he scored with a back heel after giving people the eye. And then uh, now this. It's like... He, 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 he nearly scored with a bicycle kick in the same game, actually. Forgotten about that one. Uh, nice. He was... Well, that point does mean that... Uh, that, that change to the goal score does mean that Stu does get his point for a Philogene goal. And what's even more important is that Matt had a 2-1 full away win. So bags two points for the result. He also had White to score for Rotherham, Carvalho and Philogene to score for Hull. So I guess he's had a bonus point for the goal scorer. And we finish off the week with Preston North End versus Middlesbrough. And 
I am starting to count the amount of times this season I have had to say the phrase, Middlesbrough started this game very well, on the front foot, had them under pressure, could have scored. Switch, uh, then they have a switch off, a lapse of concentration, and find themselves 1-0 down. One ball over the top, controlled <coughs> by Miller. I'll just double-check, I believe it's Liam Miller. Um, just double-check. Yes, Liam Miller. Uh, controls the ball on the edge of the box. First-time shot, uh, fired at the near post. Goalkeeper gets absolutely nowhere near it. Should have done better. 1-0 to Preston. Um... Yeah, just poor again from Borough, just switching off when there's absolutely no danger. Same for the whole game, we're under no pressure. Same for the Sunderland game, under no pressure. Switch off momentarily, find ourselves a goal down. Um, arguably should have had a penalty in the closing moments of the, of the, of the first half when Ma, uh, Marcus Force got, uh, got himself clear in the box, um, turned to, uh, to sort of go towards the, uh, the goal and, and finish off a chance um, and the Preston defender just decided well the best way to stop him is just to sort of bear up him here. but that's absolutely fine because we're playing rugby so that's fine um, referee looks right at it and decides no it looks fair that, 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 I think we should just play on that's absolutely fine uh, so it goes into uh, half time at 1-0 um Second and a half starts, Borough again on the front foot, uh, peppering the West, uh, West Ham. West Ham peppering the Preston goal with, um, with with efforts, nothing really coming from it um, until just double check the minute. I believe it was around the sixty minute mark. It was indeed the fifty seventh minute. Um, uh, the ball makes its way out to Finazaz on the edge of the box. Lovely footwork, just to sort of make himself a little bit of space, shifts it onto his right foot, and then absolutely creams one into the top left-hand corner. An absolutely fantastic way to open his account for the Borough. Um, really, really nice finish. Um, given the given where the game's gone, shame it was uh, all for nothing. As literally three minutes later, um, there was a bit of a mix-up in the box. Um, as the ball made its way out to the left-hand side of the uh, of the F, uh, of the of the box, uh, I can't remember the player from Preston was that had the shot, uh, but it takes a deflection off the Borough guy on the edge of the box, completely wrong foot to two of the defenders, and the goalkeeper who decides to dive early, completely missing the flight of the ball, where it lands at the feet of Emil Reese, who all he has to do is just slide to the opposite corner because the keeper's already down. Oh my God! Just another, just another one where we've just absolutely shot ourselves in the foot. Just in control of the game, I'd got ourselves back into the game, arguably on the front foot, keeping it and pushed back, switch off again, let them in, one chance, goal. Um, again, puff and puff to try and get back into it, and a couple of chances where they probably should have scored. Um. Luke Thomas playing at left-back had, had an effort when he was down the left-hand side, managed to wriggle his way into the box. Quick feet just to sort of move it past a couple of players and then just spoon his shot wide. Uh, game Peters out to a 2-1 Preston North End win. And just another... Uh, just, yeah. I'm just I'm just sick of the amount of times this season where Borough just basically 
given the points away. Because just so, so frustrating when they just completely switch on and just let it in. I'm not, I'm not just saying this because, like, just watching the game, Preston was so poor, so poor in, in, like, in, in possession of the ball, out of possession, they were all over the place, they weren't, they weren't showing themselves to be a, a quality side, I think they were three on the spin now as well, I don't know if that's just because Ryan Lowe's got them playing in a particular manner where they're just able to just shit out their way to a, to a win, I, I don't know, but oh my word, just, yeah, just really, really poor. Um, Predictions-wise, I had a 2-2 draw, so a nice equaliser would have been nice, getting some points. I did make up some points by having Reese and Azaz to both score in the game, so I do manage to get two points for that. Uh, Stu had a 1-0 Preston win with Reese to score the winner, so bags himself two points there. Uh, Sandy for Matt and Andy. Matt had a 1-1 draw with Keane and Fours to score. Andy had a 2-1 Borough win with Keane to score for Preston, Greenwood and Silvera for the Borough. So sadly no points for Matt or Andy in that one. All that means is at the end of the six games this week, Andy comes out of two points. Matt with the revised filling goal comes out of it with four points from six games. I had five points from six games. Stu takes the week with six points from six games. Well done to you, sir. So, week 29 comes at you with one, two, three, four, five, six games of football. First of which sees Andrew's latest team of the Bees, Brentford, taking on Liverpool. Obviously, it's Mr Cook's team. He will give us his prediction last. I'll just jump straight in here. Um, I, uh, I feel like Liverpool, in a strange kind of way, I feel like this is, this is sort of a good time to play Liverpool. Obviously, with the news of Mr Klopp deciding that his, um, his talents are best spent, el- uh, best spent elsewhere. Uh, and maybe it's time, or maybe he's just thinking there's other divisions, there's, there's other countries that he'd rather go and mo- uh, moaning. Sorry, sorry, not moaning, managing. Oh no, I was right the first time, moaning. Um, so I think there'll be a bit up and down between now and the end of the season. I've actually gone for a 1 1 draw in this. I've gone for Tony to score for Brentford and Yotta to score for Liverpool. Matt, what have you got down for Brentford versus Liverpool? I've gone for Tony and Jota to score, but I've also gone for Nunes and Alexander-Arnold to score for Liverpool as well. 3-1. Tony, Jota. You said Darwin Nunes? Yeah. And then Alexander-Arnold. Stu? Um, well... I've gone for Brentford 1, Liverpool 2. I've gone for Mopé for Brentford. Purely because Tony can't score in every game since his return. Unless it's on his betting slip. Um, and uh, for Liverpool, I've got Jones and Nunes. Stu? 
So we'll come to the we'll come to the Brentford fan now. Obviously, the first question we have to ask uh, Mr. Cook is, what are the websites like for both Brentford and Liverpool? Um, I can't give you any information about uh, Liverpool's website because I had no need to visit their website. Um, I am in an unfortunate position as a uh, as a Brentford fan. As uh, both teams that are being played this week, I cannot put any support behind. So if Liverpool win, I'll have to bow out of the uh, of the running here. And if the other if the other team win, I will also be bowing out of the running on this one. So. Having said that, uh, it's almost like it's written in the stars what I'm picking here. It's a 1-0 Brentford win. And Stu? Ian Lewis Potter? Correct answer. Let's hope he's got magic in them there, boots. Our next game sees Nottingham Forest taking on West Ham United. Uh, West Ham, of course, coming off the back of a humbling 6-0 home uh, loss uh, last weekend at the hands of the Arsenal. Obviously, it's Mr Moore's team. He will give his prediction last. Um, I'm going to jump in here. I've gone for a 0-0 draw, which sounds mental as Forrester at home, so it's probably going to be 2-3. Stu? I've got a 1-1 draw. I think Forrest will score, being at home. I've got a one year for that. Um, I think West Ham will be trying not to um, fall into, I don't know, the big hole that opened in <laughs> East London on, on Sunday the weekend. Because um, Jared Bowen will, will uh, rescue some, save some face for them. Maybe he can just increase his value and go to a proper club in the summer. Who knows? Maybe so. Andrew? Uh, a 1-0 Forest win. Uh, and and seeing as he's back, I will predict him until uh, the wheels fall off. So, a 1-U to score. A couple of weeks, then. <laughs> so, just to clarify, that was a 1-0 with a 1-U. A 1-0 one one with a 1-U. It's already oh, seen the best before date on the recent <laughs> recent injury list, then. Go on, Matt, how do you see it playing out between you and West Ham? Uh, I've, I've gone for a 3-2 West Ham win. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just can't see it changing. Yeah. <clears throat> I've got a one-year Morgan Gibbs-White score in for Forrest. <clears throat> Yep. Suchek to score for West Ham because pick a, pick a lanky streak of piss that's playing for whichever team in the next few weeks and they'll 100% get a goal because step plays. Hello. Uh, is it Kudus? Kudu? Kudus. Yep. And, you know, because we haven't heard this before, their set piece master, uh, Ward-Prowse, yeah. it's not said every time he's stood near a football, 
Oh yes, but doesn't he only need one more free kick goal to overtake Beckham as the best of I all mean, time or something like that in the Premier League? Probably happen this weekend. More than likely. Uh, our next game sees Huddersfield Town take on Hull City. Obviously it's Mr Woodman's team. He won't go last. Andy, what have you got down for Huddersfield versus Hull? A uh, nil one. Hull win. Uh, sharp to score that there goal. Matt? I've gone for a 2-1 Hull win with Rudoni for Huddersfield. Yep. And, and Philogene in Ohio for Hull. Remove the Rudoni goal and you have my exact prediction right there. I've gone 2-0 Hull, Philogene and Ohio. How would you see your second away game in a row panning out, Mr. Woodmanson? Um, I have been to Huddersfield previously. We don't always travel well there. Um, so I've gone for us to win 2-1 for a change. Okay. Um, I have Karoma for Huddersfield. And I've got Cavallo and Sharp. Sharp's due, man. He's absolutely due. Cavallio seems to like having a pop from the edge of the box. So, at some point, hopefully this weekend, they'll both happen within the same game. Oh. Fingers crossed. Our fourth game of what seems to be a very busy Saturday for our teams sees Leicester City take on Middlesbrough. Obviously, Middlesbrough being my team, I will give my prediction last. All I'll say at this point is Leicester are top and look good. Andy, what have you got for Leicester Borough? Leicester top and look good. Okay. 2-0 uh, to the Borough. Oh, you are in it. No score it's absolutely on the cards. It's the best way to set up the rest of time to uh, to just absolutely go out hard, beat the best. Uh, Fours and Silvera. I've got Leicester to win 1-0 and uh, get that pen ready Paul because I've got Mavadavadididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididid
just don't seem to get anything in. Although, I, I will give you this, the fact that we beat him earlier in the season, it would be the most boring thing of all time to do the pull over the team that goes and wins the league by an absolute can there. Um, can't see it, though. Um, it, it, honestly, at this point, I'd probably snap your hand off the three, as I, I imagine at some point, if we play the way we've played against teams that are terrible at attacking, we could get really punished. Um, but we'll see. Our fourth, sorry, fourth, our fifth game of the week, and it's Andy's team back in, back in the, I can't think of the word. That's the word. That is the exact word, back in action. Uh, it's Brentford travelling to the Etihad Stadium to take on Manchester City. Uh, as we've already heard from Mr Cook, I believe he has no love lost for the blue side of Manchester. Yeah. We'll go to him, of course, last for his prediction. However, I think he's uh, he may be changing to being a blue nose, as I've got Manchester City to win this game 4-1. I've gone for two goals for Erling Haaland, and a goal each for Phil Foden and Kevin De Bruyne, with Wisser to bag a uh, consolation goal for Brentford. Stu, what have you got down for Man City Brentford? I've got 3 0 Man City. Similar to you in that regard, because I, I also have a Haaland goal. I also have a Foden goal, but I have an Alvarez goal as well. Matt? I've also got a 4 1 Manchester City win. With Haaland, De Bruyne, Silva, and Bob. And Iron Tones to score for, for Brentford. Every time Bob's come up, it just makes me think of the Minions film with King Bob. <laughs> I think of that, and then I think of Black Adder as well. I love Bob. <laughs> Go on then, Andy. Uh, what are you hoping for your boys? Obviously, see previous comment. Um, however, I am not that much of a mentalist. So I've gone with a 1-1 draw. Um, Harlan to score for Sater. Uh And uh, KLP to put another one in. Because, you know, I'll just keep predicting that until it's not a thing anymore. I think the thing that might be sort of um, causing you issues with picking Lewis Potter is that I'm pretty sure they've played him as, as a wing-back when he's coming <laughs> playing for him. So, oh, absolutely. Um, and, not to sort of like temper anyway, but this this particular fixture last season was the last one that Man City played before the World Cup break. And Brentford beat. So, it has happened before. I'll just say that. So, our final game of the week sees Southampton taking on Hull City. Obviously, it's Stu's boys, so he will go last. Now, Southampton do come into this having lost their first game in, I believe, 26? Or it was certainly in the high 20s, anyway. Um, 25, 25 match unbeaten runs, so that's the uh, 26th game. Um, 
So, sadly for Hull, I have got them to get back on their uh, even keel, and I've gone for a 3-1 Southampton win. From goals for Adams, I had just wrote Armstrong, and then realised they have two. So I've distinguished it by going Armstrong A. That's not to say that Armstrong B would be the second choice. Obviously, it would be Armstrong S. Uh, and Idozi. And then I have got Billy Sharp to score, as he did have a spell at Southampton. So the old boy rule very much in effect. Andy, what have we got down for Southampton versus Hull? So I think when I was looking earlier, I'm like Southampton, like third in the table or something. So I was like, eh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta play, play the numbers here. So uh, Hull to win two one. <laughs> Goal scorers, please. Uh, I did not distinguish, so I get uh, twice the chances. Yeah, with my Armstrong pick. <laughs> that's 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 how we're doing that. Yeah. Uh, I've also got Zorori, and I also picked Sharp to score for Hull. Matt? I've gone for a bit of a barnstormer here, but not unfortunately not finishing in a positive Hull result. I've gone for a 3-2 Southampton win. He's gone for the Forest score. I've incredible. Goal scorers. I put Armstrong times two, and that was not just me saying there's two Armstrongs in the uh, uh, Southampton team. Uh, <laughs> but I will, I will com- commit to it being Adam Armstrong getting both of those goals. And I mean, every time you get, you, you get Southampton, you know, you're going to want a small bone, so small bone. People who've been listening to the podcast for a number of seasons will know that that is not the first time Matthew has small boned his way into the book. Uh, your two home goal scorers, uh, Carl Valio and Villagine. I've forgotten that Billy Sharp had changed his red and white stripes for amber and black stripes now, but. <laughs> Exclusively, had enjoyed playing in red and white stripes for most of his career. He did, he did. Go on, then, Stu, you get the uh, the joy of, of uh, finishing us off this week. <laughs> um, I um, have gone for Southampton to win 1 0, and I have also specified Armstrong A. It's our third away game on the spin, which just seems ridiculous and also it's like whoever has put these fixtures together has gone I know what we'll do we'll have you <laughs> we'll have you two fairly near away games because you know it doesn't matter that you're away from home twice in a row oh no wait a minute we need to chuck a third one in now oh let's do it on a Tuesday night as far as you can possibly fucking get who like anybody in their right mind to go into that game is either unemployed and has money or is having to take days off work to get there and back to watch it. It's just ridiculous scheduling that. Yeah, it's uh, it is one of those ones where you just sort of like sit and just think, why, why do they hate football fans? <laughs> it's just, yeah, just 
is baffling. So, that is all of your football predictions done. However... Oh, have you got some odds? I've got some odds. I remembered this week. Because uh, oh. I remembered. Um, so, based around the the whole Forest and Middlesbrough conundrum, um, unfortunately, the most likely outcome, according to William Hill, is, to, is for all of our teams to lose. As West Ham, Huddersfield and Leicester to win um, gives odds of 12 Point eight to one. Um, for all three teams, uh, all of our three teams to win is twenty four point three to one, and for all of the teams to draw, it gives us a whopping forty two point six to one. So fingers crossed. If we don't all get beat, I'd be happy if we all draw. Very nice. Very nice. We will just lay, we will just end with a good news story. Um, obviously, in the African Cup of Nations, hosts Ivory Coast won the tournament, and the winning goal was scored by Sebastian Allaire, who has successfully uh, fought and defeated testicular cancer. Well done to that man. A nice, happy story to end the podcast on a change. Thank you, as always, to these three gents for uh, joining me to go through the uh, ins, outs, and downs of our respective sides. Join us again next week, where we'll uh, break it all down, do it all again, and I will no doubt have, uh, you know, had to contemplate another thumping Borough win. Absolutely not. Uh, yes, but until then, you stay classy, you take care of yourselves, and look out for each other as well. Until then, happy bye for now. We'll see you next week. So there we are, it's into that. Another week of games gone, another week of games to come. All the football you could possibly want. Big thank you for watching, big thank you for listening. Uh, before you go, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. Leave a review where you can leave a review and check out the website, thecookiecast.com. There we've got social media links and an email button and that way you can get in touch with us. That is it for this one. Till next time, I'm going to say bye and I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to these grumpy old men talk about football. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share and subscribe.